Hello, I am Pete Real, a high school English and Spanish teacher, an avid reader, and an aspiring writer. Thank you for listening to the Chills at Will podcast, in which we explore the visceral beauty of literature and its connection to our culture, our history, and ourselves. Welcome to this special episode of the Chills of Will podcast. It's a pleasure today to be joined by Sandy Ho. And with her, we'll be talking about Alice Wong, visibility, visibility projects, and all kinds of things like that, including her book. Sandy's an incredible person herself. Here's a bit about Sandy. Sandy Ho is guided by the light of the closest disco ball. Born in the year of the tiger, her boldness has shown up in her community organizing and activism as the founder of the Disability and Intersectionality Summit. She is also one third of the team behind the Access is Love campaign in partnership with Alice Wong and Mia Mingus. Her essay, Kanfei to Kanji, The Freedom of Being Loud, is included in Disability Visibility, First Person Stories from the 21st Century, which was edited by Alice Wong. She produced a discussion guide for Year of the Tiger, which is over my right shoulder here. It's called Year of the Tiger and Activist Life. Again, that's by Alice Wong. That came out in September of this year. In 2022, Sandy received the Disability Futures Fellowship. Currently, she is the 37th director. Did I get that right? The 30, it says 37. Oh, I think that's the page number. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Currently, yeah, but... she is the director of the Disability Inclusion Fund at Borealis Philanthropy. Sandy spends her time reading, cheering for the Red Sox, and daydreaming while drinking tea. She identifies as a queer, disabled, Asian-American woman. Sandy, thanks so much for joining me. How are you today? Thanks, Peter. Um, yeah, I'm doing okay and happy to be here. Well, I, is, is it too soon to talk about the Red Sox this year? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a little bit painful, but... They'll be I, back next year, right? They'll be back. Yeah, they're a back team. <laughs> They've had a lot of success in these recent years, right? Right. World Series championships. There you go. We'll talk a little bit about Alice Wong and her biography, and then we'll get into our conversation. Alice Wong is the founder and director of the Disability Visibility Project, an online community that fosters and amplifies disability media and culture. A Chinese-American activist and writer, Wong fights for access and representation for people with disabilities from all backgrounds. Wong launched the Disability Visibility Project in 2014. It began as a partnership with StoryCorps to offer opportunities for people with disabilities to record their own oral histories. It grew into an online community that documents and amplifies disability media and culture. Wong, who never felt represented in popular culture while growing up as an Asian American girl with a disability, wanted to help people tell their stories without the filter of the media, an act she hoped they would find empowering. Wong's writing on disability issues has been published in numerous media outlets across the country. She has edited two anthologies that feature essays written by people with disabilities, and she published her memoir, Year of the Tiger, in 2022. In 2020, Time recognized Wong as one of 16 notable people fighting for equality in America. 
Wong continues her intersectional advocacy for the disability community and the Asian American community through her efforts as an activist and writer. In her own words, quote, I want to create a world that is reflective of all of us. This is my life's work, unquote. Again, Sandy, welcome. And I'd love to ask, um, you know, how is, how is Alice doing and whatever you can share about her condition? Yeah, so uh, for folks who may not have already heard or known, um, this past summer, Alice um, became seriously ill and required a, like, almost a more than a month-long stay um, in the ICU. Um, and there had since been a lot of changes to her body um, that she is you know, becoming adjusted to. And as expected, healing takes a lot of time and energy um, that actually may be not as expected because mm. it seems like sometimes people think that people kind of just bounce back, but actually healing takes a lot of work. And I think that's where Alice is right now, health-wise. Um, but Alice being Alice, she continues to write. Uh, she continues to you know, be on Twitter. So mm-hmm. yeah. He's, he's doing okay. Thank you so much for that. I mean, the, the amount, the outpouring, you know, not knowing her as intimately as you do the outpouring, you know, just on social media and online, I mean, just incredible. And it's so clear through her book, through all the love that she's, she's beloved, you know, that she's somebody who's just been in the fight for so long and has just done some incredible things. So we're all of course sending the absolute best to her in her recovery what would be the best place to, to do donations for her, for her recovery? Yeah. So kind of just to the point that you were just making that Alice is beloved by not just disability community, but um, her influence and her writing, her work, her advocacy media platform that she really built and that created that space Mm -hmm. um, for disability and disabled people to just take up space without um, being questioned without, you know, justification. Hmm. And that has had a tremendous impact. And um, she has created a space that has allowed others to build their own careers and to start their own, um, you know, presence, whether it's in writing or uh, being a speaker or presenter. And as a result of that community that she has helped to cultivate and create um you know community pays it forward and so uh over the summer it was know me wrong one of um our close friends and a trusted comrade and organizer and um just trusted confidant of alice created a gofundme and that would be yeah the best place for folks to continue to make those donations and I think the importance here is that even though, um, you know, we continue to meet the the dollar goal, mm-hmm. um, this is a long-term, a, you know, this is what it means for Alice to continue to live in community. It's something that a lot of disabled people do not get a choice mm-hmm. to do so on their own terms mm-hmm. um, and are forced to live in uh, institutions. Um, and because of community, like she's able to remain in her own home, um, you know, have care of her own choosing and choice. So this is 
this is a long-term uh, fundraiser. Thank you so much for that. And I'll, and I'll make sure, you know, in the, in the, in the episode notes on social media to make sure to share the, the GoFundMe. So we talk about the book is, is year of the tiger. It came out just about a month ago or so, um, you know, please help me fill in any gaps, but, but it's basically, you know, it's, it's her memoir. It's, you know, like her, right. I mean, it's, she has, she's involved in so many different things. You talk, you know, story core and disability visibility I mean, the biography I read of her is, you know, is, is incomplete because she's done so much. So, you know, there, there are drawings, some that she commissioned, some that she did herself. Um, you know, there are bits and pieces from from podcast transcripts that, she, you know, of her own podcast of when she's been on. Um, there are new, you know, new pieces. There are edited pieces that were written back and, you know, changed for this. It's such a, a collage and that doesn't necessarily do it justice. It's um, it all fits together so well. I was so impressed how she did it, you know, to put it in, you know, in kind of a chronological order, not necessarily, but as far as like, you know, leaving, you know, having a clear ending, mm -hmm. although of course there's no end to her work. She keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Um, you know, just a, a collage of some great, great work, uh, you know, kind of multimedia, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. well, anything that I'm leaving out? What else? How else would you, uh, would you pitch this book? Because it's such a good read. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that, both in the format that it's written in and the content of it mm -hmm. um, also kind of speaks to Alice's activism. Right. And, you know, that is what it means for disabled people to take up space for their own stories to be told uh, through them. And yeah, it is not just any one medium. It is not just any, it's not even really linear, right? That mm -hmm. we, learn from her book the ways that she has evolved in her thinking and her relationship to her body, to her family, community, and activism, and how those have all informed each other mm -hmm. in different ways and at different points in her life. Um, but I get, I think collage is a great word. I think also uh, it's kind of in that zine format of, mm -hmm. you know, just that scrappy, um compiled right? together yeah it's mm. it's that scrapbook of the canon of Alice mm. um, and that is just so incredibly wonderful to finally be able to hold and to absorb because so much of her career has been about giving other people space to tell their own stories and so now we finally get to hear Alice's right man I love that the scrapbook of the canon of Alice that needs to go, you know, when the second or third publishing in a couple of years, that, sh that should be on the book cover. That's great stuff. One of them, I'm, I'm not sure if it was, I, I don't know if it was just published in Teen Vogue or if it was published a while back, right? But she had one of the chapters or one of the mm -hmm. excerpts, right, was in Teen Vogue. I think that was pretty recently, right? Like a couple of days ago. And, and um, you know, the idea that in there, she really writes about like to like a, almost like a future, well, not to a future her, but to those people who have reached out to her. Right. Often, obviously, younger people if it's geared for Teen Vogue. But just like I love, love, love the idea. And I know you can attest to this, that she talks about like, I mean it when I say like, I don't want to be a mentor to you. Like, let's be in the same plane. Yeah. Right. I'm not she's not holding herself up. And again, that's not just lip service. That's not just her being, you know, falsely modest. Yeah. I wonder like what she means to the to, to you, what she means to the disabled community and, and, and beyond and how she is like an oracle. Yeah, I mean, oh, there's so much in that question. So, you know, 
that letter to Alice, I will say, I was one of those younger disabled Asian American. Didn't even know that I was queer at the time that I reached out to her. And totally, it was a cold email. And I was at that time just trying to figure out my own place in the community. And it was about just finding connections of others who look like me, who may have had similar family relationships or life experiences. And right off the bat, you know, Alice made it really clear that she wasn't kind of know-it-all, like been there, done that, like preaching to me ever. And that is still who she is and how she engages with community as well. Like, it's not about her being on this, you know, higher than now, like soapbox pedestal, which I think um, sometimes particularly of the memoirs and stories that we hear of disabled people, it is kind of that tone of like being inspirational, you know, if they can do it, then you can too. And that is absolutely not what Alice is about. It's about giving community the space to figure out their own life path, figure out their own advocacy strategies and being validating in the ways that, you know, it feels like it would be aligned with Alice's own beliefs and values and principles. And so I think that in terms of who she is as a disabled oracle, like she's kind of always embodied that presence of this is what the future needs. And we are currently in the future and disabled people are Hmm. currently reading that. So much of that book, like as I was reading it, I was underlining and being like, oh my gosh, this is so freakish that she wrote these sentences because they're still so relevant and absolutely on the nose for this moment that we are in of the pandemic, of you know, the precarity of public infrastructure and healthcare access. And so for in terms of what, what does Alice mean to me and disabled communities? I mean, for me, she's a friend, um, a co-conspirator, very much a big sister, tiger presence. And for disabled communities, Alice has just been endlessly generous in everything that she's given and everything that she has created and dreamed up. It, she is, yeah, she is the OG disabled mm-hmm. You were talking about all the underlining. If you can see my book, I'm trying to show you see my book, all the, uh, that's my, my weird system, but you know, all these, all these bookmarks of like, Whoa, that was great. Oh man. I want to follow up yeah. on that. Oh, wow. You're right. Or, you know, I want to check that, that person's name. Who was that? You know? Right. So yeah, I hear you on that for sure. You talk about her being like the OG. And one thing that stuck, struck me is like, you know, she's not that old. She's what? 47, 48, I guess. 48, yeah. Right. And you know, it's not that old and you know, six years older than myself. But I was just struck by, you know, how when she talked about going to grad school at UC San Francisco, like that wasn't that long ago, really, where she was like, hey, like, let's do the elevators, right? Where the elevators, you know, they usually, the numbers used to go vertical. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey, that's hard for people, let's say, in a wheelchair to, to get to. Like, okay, let's work with that, you know, horizontal, right? And yeah. so that's, that's one of her, her gifts, right? If you go to, to that, to the camp, you know, right? And yeah. so I was just struck by how, like, and that's maybe some of my ignorance, but like, it hasn't been that long 
you know, even ADA was, I guess, what, 50 years, 52 years, uh, Americans with Disabilities Act, or excuse me, 30. 32, yeah. 32, excuse me. And, you know, it's not that long, right? So, like, she is the OG, and I know that she has, you know, gives props to the ancestors, those who've come before, those who've done the work, but I just love the idea of the family tree, you know, and, you know, the, the ideas of community, like you said, and does not have to be blood related. How did you two meet and, and how has she shaped your activism? Yeah, so, um, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, so it was probably around like 2011, 2012. Okay. Um, and actually, let me backtrack. I mean, to, to what you were just saying, yeah, the ADA was not that long ago. I started kindergarten when the ADA passed. Uh, and so I very much think of myself as the ADA generation, right? We are the generation of disabled students and young people who, when asked by their kindergarten teachers, what do you want to be in 50 years? Or like, when do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? We had the right to dream into that future. Mm-hmm. And Alice has continued to not only dream into that future, but lives it and um advocates and and her activism is so much centered in that future and so by the time that I cold emailed her right fast forward to 2011 2012 Mm -hmm. I was a program manager of a mentoring program that served uh young women with disabilities between the ages of 14 to 26 and they were mentored by older disabled women in the state of Massachusetts um, and that was kind of my first glimpse into community organizing, that sense of gender, disability. Um, and my, I myself at the time was like 24, 25. Like I very much thought of myself as one of the mentees. I was still figuring out my place in community. But one of the activities that I had the young women do was write letters to their younger selves. And then I asked their mentors to do the same. And then with her permission, I posted it on a Tumblr. Um, you know, it was a way to get young teens who are really reluctant to talk about their disability and gender bodies. It's a weird thing. Um, and before I knew it, like other women and young women from around the world who were disabled started submitting their own letters too. Um, but the program didn't have a ton of diversity. Um and I was curious about that. And so I started looking online, came across Alice, emailed her and was like, hey, would you consider writing a letter for this project? And she said, you know what? Not only will I consider writing one, I will send you the letter that I had already written and had published. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so that actually was in in the Year of the Tiger memoir. Um, yeah. So that was how we met. It was kind of like, you know, I'm looking for guidance and some sort of like reflection of myself in community that I just wasn't finding, but I knew existed. And Alice not only reflected that back to me, but did it in a way that I didn't suspect. And that piece that she had republished from her memoir that is now in Team Vogue, um, where it's a letter to Asian American disabled women and girls. Mm-hmm. If I had gotten that from her as a response in 2011 or 2012, I, I'm not sure that I was even in a place of my own activism and self and sense of self and identity mm. to have really understood what she was saying, right? What she was saying was, you are already more than enough. You don't need to look for 
this space or this thing that you think you're trying to find, but you are already it and embodying it. And that's fine. Um, and like how groundbreaking and revolutionary of a thought that would have been for me and still continues to be like even reading that letter in her book um, more recently. But yeah, that's how we met. And that's really how she has continued to be the co-conspirator in some of our own like co-partnerships and um, organizing together. Well, thank you for that. Um, so that's so that's letters to thrive for the letters to thrive project, right? Yeah. I I love the idea. I love the idea of having the the girls write to their future selves or to their right. But mm-hmm. I also I also thought it was so so genius on your part to have the the menti- the mentors as well. Yeah. Right. Such a complete project. I really I really thought that was a, a genius move, and I'm sure yielded some some great results. Yeah. Talked about it a little bit, I guess, but how would you say? community and inter- interdependence are built into her life into what you both and all of you do um i love the part in the book that was about the the peaches mm-hmm. right yeah. the masamudo family and yeah. you know during you know before covid even but during covid this idea of like getting those peaches from this uh this farm in the central valley that you know she talks about maybe they weren't quite as good as i thought they were maybe it was just like the 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 waiting the wondering the wanting but it sounds yeah. like they're pretty dang good. But it's just yeah. about, you know, about people who helped her to get that those peaches. And, you know, what you've talked about a bit and what she talks about in the book is that the disabled communities, plural, have done so much about interdependence and mutual aid mm-hmm. that when COVID hit, it was like, hey, listen to what we've been talking about. So, sorry, that's just a long way of asking really, but what would you say just about how interdependence and community have really played into your life and Alice's work as well. Yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest lessons of Alice's activism um, is, you know, we understand interdependence to be sometimes this really abstract notion, right? That so much of the American myth and narrative of the quote unquote way of life, which is like rooted in, independence and you know we're gonna make it out on our own and like lift ourselves up by the bootstraps and in 2022 we all know that that is not you know the way toward equity and justice um and interdependence has not only been one of the like practices of disability organizing Mm -hmm. um but it is also the way of survival it is a way of just making sure that we have each other's backs because we know that as marginalized communities and populations, um, the the way that the state and policy don't always have and often do not have our best interests and our own priorities. Um, right? Like all of the efforts to voting and pathways to democracy and participation and civic engagement are important and necessary, and still, those efforts are not enough. Mm. Um, And so I think this is when interdependence comes in. It's like, yeah, let's make sure that the folks who are forced to live in SSI, right, and not allowed to have more than $2,000 in their savings account can access masks and PPE and gloves and be able to 
rate higher and claim their own care attendance and have access to Medicaid, but also be able to contribute to society in ways that are meaningful and have human dignity and are coming back to a home of their own choosing. And like, um, and I think for many disabled people, interdependence is not just um, the way of our lives in general, but it's also just how previous and future generations of disability community will survive. Um, I, I, you know, we aspire to a moment in the future and the day when disabled people are in power and that we are the ones at the decision making table, but you know, that's a long ways away. And I don't even know if that's going to happen in my own lifetime, but um, I think that there's always going to be this necessity for interdependence, that mutual aid, um, making sure that people have enough food, that have access to medication is, yeah, it's the way of the future. And if only that could be at the center of so much of our public policies, including public health right now, how many lives could be saved? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, the, the talking about the Peaches story, and that was where it sounds like one of her friends Mm-hmm. Um, she was in touch with one of her friends after the, the, the passing of the great Stacy Park Milburn, right, who, mm-hmm. who passed away way too young and did, did some great, great work in her lifetime. And I just thought that was so interesting and so beautiful and sad and all the above that, you know, it was that Alice had gotten in touch with her friends after the passing of Stacy. And that's when, you know, hey, can I get you some peaches? You know, and obviously the peaches are just like a sim- like symbolic of just, like you said, mutual aid and interdependence and and hopefully, hopefully the wave of the future. I, I think that um, also there's so much in that book in You're the Tiger where Alice just dives into the depth of moments of joy mm-hmm. um, for her and certainly eating and relishing in the the taste and texture of food and peaches is, is definitely um, something that she lives and um tries to you know like share as much as she can among her friends as well um but emily newsbaum who is right. a professor yeah um she she's the, the the friend who um, would provide and like bring alice the peaches and and like make these incredible pies and alice does not take friendships for granted that is for sure and i think that just the ways that she like expresses her own joy and care and love through her friendship is says so much about who she is mm-hmm. so it just has a as a small side story um although I am typically based in Boston I am out in the Bay Area for like a few weeks um and it was recently my birthday uh at the start of October and happy birthday thank you um she took it upon herself to host a birthday party and I was like Alice you really don't need to do this um, you know, I know that she's recovering. This is going to take a lot wow. of energy. And she did like the absolute most. She had like goodie bags and um, a ra- uh, like a un- like a unicorn cake and all of this food. And oh it went all out. Um, and I just appreciated that so much. It was just, I felt really held in community. Um, n- like knowing that I do have friends here, right? But that she took the time to do that was, um, yeah, 
that's everything who Alice is. Wow, what a beautiful gift. I've, I've heard that uh, the hashtag Westward Ho is going to go viral. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that is the campaign and how Alice has, when we first met and, and then over the years as our friendship grew, um, she has, you know, tried to lure me over to uh, the Bay Area and with a lot of success, it did not take a lot of uh, persuasion. Um, and so, yeah, that is part of the reason why I'm out here too right now. It's like to see whether or not I could make a life here, uh, which then the answer is yes. <laughs> um, and I do credit a lot of that to disability community and my connections here, but also because I think that there's something about the Bay Area where there's just more of a, a freedom to take up space and like to be queer and disabled and politicized in ways that it's just not, it's not like that in other places in the mm. country. Yeah, you talk about a family tree of activism, right? The Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco, yeah. for sure. So one of the things in the book that's really interesting and you know makes total logical sense, but I'm so glad that Alice laid it out, is just like, she seems that she really, and I'm sure it's been a, 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 progress, a progression, but she knows like, hey, we need to rest, right? The body needs rest, the mind needs rest, the spirit needs rest. I mean, she, you know, this whole like, you know, grind culture and work, work, work. And, you know, we can always work now, now that we have Zoom and now that we, you know, computers in front of us and smartphones. Um, but she really reminds herself and reminds the reader like, hey, take a break, relax. It's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder, um, I wonder how you've seen maybe that work with her and maybe with yourself, even just like the idea to like the license to give yourself rest. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's the kind of thing that as friends, um, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around with mm-hmm. the volume of work and writing that Alice is able to produce and comes out with. Mm-hmm. And still, I hear about the ways that she takes procrastination as an art, as a skill, and as a necessity to her work, too. Like, procrastination is what helps her get to the work. Right. Um, and she writes about that so eloquently in the book um, that, yeah, sometimes I'm like, Alice, you're always talking about rest, but, like, you're also producing, like, essays after essays. Mm-hmm. Um, right, I think one just came out recently on Eater about yeah. uh, the ways that she is adjusting to her new body with the feeding tube. Um, and so she is not, you know, stopped or at all slowed down even as she's recovering and healing. Um, and for me, I think that being out here in the Bay, um, just the different temperature, just like simple things. I know that sometimes... San Franciscans um, talk about how cold it is in the morning, but I'm like, in Boston, this is balmy. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. And just like making sure that I'm taking time out at least once a day to absorb the sun and like work outside and like do things Good. like taking walks with friends and like farmers markets and things like that. Um, yeah, that those are all forms of rest, but also making sure that we are taking care of ourselves mm-hmm. and, and exploring um, more of what's around us. 
Yeah. The word ally is thrown around a lot and it's maybe lost some of its meaning or lost all of its meaning. Yeah. And, you know, I think we've learned, you know, it's not just enough to just to be an ally. If we're talking about like racial justice and, you know, any sort of injustice, what, you know, for those who are not in the disabled community communities, how, how do you best, you know, say we should be allies or whatever the, the term you might use is? Yeah. I, and so I agree with you that, you know, the word allies has been um, increasingly overused. And um, I think that, you know, when we consider ourselves to be allies of any group, it is about the actions and your commitments more so than the title. Mm. Um, and sometimes when I hear folks say like, oh, I'm an ally of XYZ group or whatever it is, Sometimes my question is, well, did like who gave you that title, right? Like, uh, and uh, what would it make you earn it? Um, and it's not about quote unquote proof or like validating network, but but there is a sense of performance mm. to organizing sometimes an advocacy that you know if you are speaking for or on behalf of a group, then you better dang well have earned that, right? And um, done so with their consent. And if not, then maybe, you know, allies is really about shifting power um, and being comfortable with that and, and being in meaningful solidarity. Thank you for that. Yeah. In the book, um, Alice writes about after Stacy Park Milburn had passed away that she saw a lot of that. She felt a lot of that, like people, you know, oh yeah, you know, saying they'd known Stacy longer and work with her longer and and really kind of like, like you said, being performative. Mm -hmm. And that obviously to, to somebody like Alice, who knew her so well, works, you know, with her is so disappointing and frustrating and, and rage inducing. And, and Alice writes a lot in the book about rage. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing, right? It's, it's something that could be that, that she's used in many ways to, to be in so many communities and do such great work. Mm -hmm. Again, the book is called the year of the tiger. I'll be, you know, publishing all the the info about where to get it, about the links. Do you have any, you know, any any shout outs to like a special bookstore or any place we should buy it? I mean, I know it's available most most everywhere. Yeah, um, I know that one bookstore in the Bay Area that has a special place in Alice's heart is Green Apple Books. Okay. Um, and uh, certainly she's also like myself, a fan of public libraries. So mm -hmm. if you're unable to purchase it from an independent bookstore, uh, finding ways to request it from your public library, if it doesn't already exist, mm -hmm. uh, would be also a great way to support. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate so much your time. It's talking to you is like, is like talking to Alice. You didn't use as many cuss words as she did in the book though. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm still working on that, but yeah. You're from Boston. Come on. Right? Don't, don't Boston give a cuss. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But no, thank you so much. It's been it's so awesome talking to you and, um, you know, knowing that you are the younger generation in some ways um, from her, but you're also working in concert with her and that you and so many have done such great work. And, and like you said, let's, let's be about it. Let's, let's not just talk about it. I know that you have done that. I know that Alice for sure has done that. So thanks so much for sharing your wisdom, continue great luck. And, and we'll get the word out about the book and, and go fund me and we're wishing of course we're wishing alice the, the greatest quickest recovery thank you thank you so much for having it's me it's been such a pleasure talking to you
thanks again, as always, for listening. I appreciate anybody who listens to even one episode, and I appreciate everyone who's listened to so many. You keep me going. I'm so excited to share that now official on Patreon. You can find my Patreon page, become a member. It's patreon.com backslash chills at will podcast Peter Real. Again, that's patreon.com backslash chills at will podcast Peter Real. My name, of course, is P-E-T-E-R-R-I-E-H-L. Patreon.com backslash chills at will podcast Peter Real. You can become a member today. The page is officially launched. There are three tiers of membership. Official patron membership tier is $3 a month. And with that, you'll get access to all interview episodes when they're published, mostly on Tuesdays with some published on Fridays. There are two to four interviews published each month. Lastly, you'll receive the monthly newsletter with reading recommendations literary event calendar, and the Chills at Will podcast news, and you'll get a shout-out on a future episode. That is the official patron tier of membership for $3 a month. There's the $5 a month for the all-access patron. With the all-access patron membership, you'll have access to all new interview episodes. Each month, like I said, there are two to four interview episodes. You'll get access to those as well as a monthly bonus episode or two that is an interview or an exploration of themes through two or three texts. One example would be an episode that I did called Righteous and Justified Anger that was explored through the works by Langston Hughes and Ralph Ellison or The Power of Flashback was one episode which explored the endings of The Godfather Part 2, Sleepers, and that was then This Is Now. With the all-access patron membership, you'll also receive a refrigerator magnet with the Chills at Will podcast logo and the monthly newsletter with reading recommendations, literary event calendar, and the Chills at Will podcast news. You will get a shout-out on a future episode, too. With the VIP patron tier, which is $10 a month, you'll get access to all episodes a monthly newsletter with reading suggestions and a calendar of literary events and updates on the Chills at Will podcast, access to a monthly AMA, Ask Me Anything, and a t-shirt with the Chills at Will podcast logo. There are two to four monthly episodes and one or two bonus episodes, which are interviews or discussions of themes as seen through multiple texts. VIP patrons will also receive a special shout-out on a future episode. I encourage you to please join Patreon for the Chills at Will podcast. As I say all the time, this is truly a labor of love. This is truly a DIY operation. I started in April of 2020, and it has been an absolute pleasure. 99.999% fun. I've gotten to interview people like Disha Filia, what? Matt Bell. Brandon Hobson, Luis Alberto Orrea, Jean Guerrero, Gustavo Arellano, Taylor Bias, Gabby Bates, Alice Elliott Dark, Nadia Owusu, and so, so, so many more. Did I say Jess Walter? Did I say Jeff Perlman? Ingrid Rojas Contreras, Jamil John Cochai, Morgan Talty, Sadie Shore Parks. 
Rachel Yoder, Vanessa Angelica Villarreal, Kirsten Chen, Sam Quinones, Ion Grillo, Raina Kelly, Zach Harper, Michael Torres, Tracy Cato Kirayama, S.J. Sindhu, Roberto Lovato, Todd Goldberg, Steph Cha, Noel Kassler, Reina Grande, James Tate Hill, Navdeep Dylan Singh, Nikisha Elise Williams, Mia St. John, Susan Muladi Daraj, Sarah Borjas, and the list goes on and on. Future episodes include conversations with Robert Jones Jr., with Allegra Hyde, with Justin Tinsley, Javier Zamora, Tommy Dean, Elizabeth Williamson, Jose Antonio Vargas, Yasmin Ramirez, Kai Harris, Laura Worrell, with Erica Wirth, so, so, so many cool people that I still need to interview that I still look forward to talking to. Patreon.com backslash Chills at Will podcast Peter Real. What are you waiting for? See you over there. (laughs) 